You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Well, good morning. Uh, Pastor Mike has already introduced me, so I won't uh, get into that aspect of it. But we are in this summer series on prayer, wrestling with God in prayer. And so this uh, morning, we're going into one of the spiritual disciplines that is so essential in our relationship and our walk with God. And I look forward to sharing with you some of those insights. And uh, prayerfully, the Holy Spirit will take it and motivate some of you who need to look more deeply into some of this will begin to even try it. We're going to be talking about silence. Silence. The spiritual discipline that is so essential in order to hear from God. And so uh, many of us are very uncomfortable with silence, and so I've, I've added a theme to the message, just kind of set the foundation so where you'll know we're going. Silence is not the enemy to be avoided, but the friend to actually embrace. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning in this uh, series on one of the spiritual disciplines. The message this morning, obviously, then will be for those who have a hungry, ca- a hungry heart for more, not to get something more from God, but to actually get more of God in a more abiding, satisfying uh, way in which the longings of our soul meet the expectations that we have in our intimacy and desire for God. Well, to uh, set the stage for this, I'm going to be giving you a quote that I want you to listen carefully to and really think about whether or not this might have some bearing on how your prayer life um, is. It's from Henry Nowing in his way, uh, The Way of the Heart is the name of it, and as you do so, does it reflect how you feel at times about your own prayer life? So listen as he writes, and I'm reading. For many of us, nothing a prayer is nothing more than speaking with God. And since it's usually quite a one-sided affair, prayer simply means talking to God. This idea is enough to create great frustration. I haven't heard one amen. That's okay. And when it seems increasingly that I'm talking into the dark, it is not strange then to begin to suspect that my dialogue is actually nothing more than a monologue. I don't know why people write things like this because it hits me right between the eyes. Then I begin to ask myself, who am I really speaking to? To God or myself? Anyone ever feel like that besides me? All right. I'm talking to the right group then. If that resonates with you, as it does me, and if you uh, would like that to change, then this message this morning has actually great potential to help you in expanding your understanding of the incredible gift that all of us receive from God, and that is to have a deep, abide, intimate relationship with Him. And uh, that is the goal this morning. And so now let's look at the first obstacle to that that happens. It's really a distraction. 
and it affects all of us in our society. And the first distraction we want to be talking about this morning in getting to know God better is noise. It's just noise. We live in a very noisy society, as I'm sure you will agree. Everywhere you turn, we're confronted with and bombarded with noise. You can't get away from it. So much so that when it actually gets quiet, what is your natural tendency? And what is my natural tendency? To turn on the radio or to turn on the TV because noise, just we're uncomfortable with it because of the environment and, and the society in which we live in. We are addicted to noise and the diversions that that brings us. Now, there's many reasons for that. I don't have time to go into those. Um, But just uh, for the foundation which we're laying here this morning, one of the problems in our chatty society is silence has actually become a fearful and a frightening thing. And we'll do almost anything to avoid it. So... Since silence, uh, for many of us, fall in that category, then this morning's message is in order to help relieve some of that pressure, some of that stress, and some of that anxiety. So think with me for just a moment to really zero us in as we continue to focus in this particular area. What truly is our society, our world, in fact, really like? Is it conducive for rest and for quiet? Well, the answer is no. Is it full of messages that tear at our faith? that contradict what God is telling us and that wears us down and wears us out. I believe you would agree with me. The answer to that one is yes. Second, and yet silence is an indispensable discipline in the spiritual life. That's why we're talking about one of the disciplines here this morning and that is silence. But since so many of us are uncomfortable with silence, we succumb to the temptation to fill our lives, indeed even filling our relationships, with a noisy busyness that affects all of us. The same thing happens in our relationship with God. Worship and prayer, which were designed to still us before the Lord, are many times turned into things that we do rather than rather than than being still and to know. Uh, Psalm 46 verse 10, the first part of that verse says, "Be still and know that I am God." The New Living Translation says, "Be silent." The New American Standard says, "Cease striving." And so here we, the the literal uh, meaning in the Hebrew for that, be still, be silent, cease striving, is, are you ready? Take your cotton-picking hands off of it. Relax. Be still. Be silent. So you can have the very relationship that God wants to have with us. You cannot rush into God's presence like you do a fast food restaurant. Sometimes I'll debate as I'm coming by how many cars are in the drive-thru and if it's too many, I'll park real quick and say, you stay here with the engine and I'll run in and get something and run back out. You can't do that with God and to have this kind of relationship. You have to go to a nice 
restaurant, sit down for a seven-course meal and just enjoy it. So we have a choice. But God is willing to wait us out until we get so hungry for him that we're willing to do the very thing that we're uncomfortable with in order to have that breakthrough. So as a consequence of focusing on doing rather than being, silence then is lost to us. And by virtue of his absence, it becomes foreign. And without that holy stillness, our spiritual life is diminished. And silence has always been a characteristic of true intimacy with the Lord. And so we're really going to begin to zero in and focus in on that. So I want you to listen to the author of A Man and His Prayer Life. Uh, He actually here describes the mindset that all of us need to have in order to have the breakthrough that we're longing for if you have that hunger for more of God. Here's what he writes. In order to recover the renewed power of holy silence, we must first embrace that silence is the language of the soul. The language of intimacy. Even as the heart speaks through silence, So God also speaks to the heart through silence. In silence, God teaches us the deep mysteries of the Spirit. The things that can never be communicated with mere words. Silence is precious to God and we need to develop the same attitude towards silence. Silence is not an enemy to be avoided, but a friend to embrace. Henry Nouwen also writes this, and this is really worth listening to. Silence guards the inner heat of religious emotions. This inner heat is the life of the Holy Spirit within you. Thus silence is the discipline by which the inner fire of God is tended and kept alive. In your own life, do you feel that separation at times from God? Like, God, where have you gone? (laughs) Like, he's almost not there. You can't connect. You can't reach him. We all know God hasn't moved. (laughs) In fact, if we're walking away and we turn around, we'll run into him. He's pursuing us. He wants this because he knows we need it so desperately. We must reassess silence in our own hearts and lives. We need to realize that spiritual disciplines are worth pursuing and our desire to have a more fulfilling, more satisfying, and less frustrating prayer life. We need to be willing to learn more as to how to begin 
or how to continue this journey in developing this hunger and thirst for which we were born for. And that is to truly know God in a deep and abiding way. But for that to happen, we must first break through what is holding us back. I wrote down some things that personally have affected me in my, my life and from time to time they still do. So I thought I'd share them with you and see if any of it resonates with you. When prayer is an emotional drudgery, when silence leads to unplanned naps, when listening prayer turns into mental rabbit trails, we must at those times, if the hunger is great enough, to persevere by hanging on to the promises that God has made to us in his word that it will be worth it. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. I'd love to take credit for it, but I don't know who to give credit to, but I'll share it with you. Since there's much to be said in the Christian life, But it is God who is to do the speaking. My wife reminds me often, God has given you one mouth and two ears. (laughs) But my dear husband, it appears in your case, you have two mouths and no ears. I do like to talk. And she gets sick of hearing me. I told her, honey, you got to stay with me until we die, and then you'll get your reward. And when you go to heaven, if you leave before then, it's over. (laughs) So she's holding out for God's blessing. All right. Therefore, Richard, pray for silence, both of the mind and of the mouth. And maybe some of you need to do that too. So that we may learn how to be quiet long enough to hear God speak to us. If he were to speak to you in your normal way of your prayer time with God, would you be quiet long enough to even be able to hear him? You see, most of, many of us in here are struggling with that whole monologue aspect in our prayer time with God. Have you ever wondered how many of those holy moments that you have actually missed simply because you were talking or you were so weary or too busy or a lack of spiritual hunger or thirst or just flat disinterested? How many of those holy encounters have we possibly missed? I've missed more than I would hate to have to admit to. And in preparing this message, I came across a verse that had me to sit down and listen 
And it's in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. It's not in up on the board and it's not written in your outline. If you want to jot this down, it's Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. I'll be quoting out of the NIV. And this is what it says. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Now we know who's speaking through Isaiah, do we not? Whoa. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. In quietness and in trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Wow. Whoa. Yes, Lord. How can we ever hope to have real communication with God if we don't stop to listen? If we truly want to experience His presence, we must carve out time and space for solitude and silence in our busy lives. Well, will it be worth it if you do that? Or according to Basil Pennington, it will be because he writes this. The peak moments of ecstasy are few and brief. But the memory of them abides. And something deep within us says that all the strivings of life are worth it all because of them. Have you ever experienced them? I can remember one that I had with God 45 years ago. And I hunger for more. But in order to have those, we have to avail ourselves by practicing the spiritual disciplines that will allow us to hear God speak. Mark Roberts, in his book, No Holes Barred, writes this. The world of my heart seems as noisy as the world around me. Honestly, if I wrote this, I would have said the noise of my heart is noisier than the world around me. I can get away from the noises of the world. I have. But then I have to wrestle with and fight with the noises within me. That is far greater challenge for me than the noises around me. How about you? And indeed, that's why we're having this particular message on silence. Now, to answer the questions that I've presented to you, I would now ask you, if you would, to turn to Psalm 62 in your Bibles, where David's helpful example will guide us on our journey into greater intimacy with God. Psalm 62. 
We're only going to look at just five verses in that psalm, but they have the potential of really getting our attention and helping us get some uh, victory in this particular area. Psalm 62. Now, in preparation for the journey that we're now launching into, it will take on your part, if you're serious about that hunger and that thirst that is there and you want to get some victory in there, it'll take an act of the will. It's not just something you will ride on emotion and get there. That doesn't work. Not very long. So it'll take an act of the will and always does in any of the spiritual disciplines. You need, you have to put the time in in order to get the results. Just like going to a gym. There's no way around it. You have to have a plan. It's just not going to happen. You have to be determined and persevere in order to carry out through all obstacles that you will be confronted with. And there will be more than you can ever imagine because your flesh and the enemy of your soul is not a bit interested in you making this kind of progress. And you must be motivated by uh, the longing and the yearning within your heart and soul for more of a fulfilling relationship with your Heavenly Father. So Psalm 62, verses 1. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. Now the salvation he's talking here is not salvation from our sin but it's for deliverance from danger in which he was facing. But let's just park here for a moment. This is is a sidelight, but a very, very important one. Let's talk about the salvation from our sin. And let me just wrap this up very, very quickly, because there may be some in here um, that are not spiritually born in God's family, but you're putting all of your hope and your trust in being religious and being the works that you do and being whatever you give and however you serve, all these kind of things that, that can really, really say, well, I hope my good, good deeds out, outweigh my bad when I stand before God and maybe he'll let me into heaven. Th- he won't. So let's just talk about the one that does count. Back in Genesis 1 and 2, it talks about how we are created, being the most unique of all God's creation, being created in the image of God. When he molded dirt and he blew his breath into our nostrils, we became living beings, body, soul, and spirit. Chapter 3 talks about uh, Adam and Eve in the garden and, and their, and their uh, rebellion against the known will of God. When God says, do not eat of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, if the day you do, you will die. She did, he watched, she didn't die in his opinion or see that, and I don't think she did at that particular point, and so he did it in absolute blatant disobedience to the known will of God. He, the one that God had given the instruction to, did, and then they did die. But death is not annihilation. Death is separation. And so you come in the cool of the evening, Adam, where are you? Well, I'm hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Because I'm naked. Well, until you're naked, and on and on and on goes. It's right there in chapter 3 of Genesis. But God knew he was going to do that, and he had a plan of salvation already set in place. And we find out how bad it is it went on just beyond them all the way down because the first son killed his brother. And in David, after he had committed adultery and had someone murdered, then he said in Psalm 51, in sin did my mother conceive me. So we're all born with a sin nature. And God will not look and cannot look upon sin and so therefore we're separated from him. But that's just the beginning because God, we all know that God sent his son and he came, died on the cross for our sins. And so it says then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace, the unmerited gift from God, for by grace are you saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And it tells us exactly how we do that in, in John, book of John, chapter 1, verse 12. As many as receive him, receive Jesus Christ, receive the gift that he offers, he will give the right to become children of God. And so here this morning, and you're relying and resting in your works to get you there, it won't work. I just presented quickly what will. You can talk to Pastor Mike or so many people in here that will be able to share with you. Well, let's get back. Once again, I'll, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 of, of uh, Psalms chapter uh, 62. Once again. Truly my soul silently wait for God. From Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Now, I want you to look for those subtle differences in verses 1 and 2 compared to 5 and 6, which are a repeat. In the Hebrew poetry and in song, they have parallelism, and we can't go any more than the second one always reinforces certain words that we're willing to hang on to, and so we begin to develop and see a, see a, a, a continual uh, advancement in regards to that. So verse 5 says, Truly my soul, comma, Wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. I am, I am just so happy to share with you what that literally means in Hebrew. It means only in God is your soul silent. To the careful observer, you will see the progression of trust and therefore a quietening of the soul and the ability to take a deep breath and a sigh of relief, a a, a settling into a rest, a peace and an assurance that your, your focus is now shifting from the horizontal to the vertical and that from where you were, you're now progressing into where you want to be. So watch verse 1. I'm going to put all this together for you. You see, in verse 1, he's not there yet. Truly, my soul, silently wait. But the last part of verse 2 says, gives it away. I shall not be greatly moved. Now, verse 5, there is some self-talk going on. And I have to do a lot of that to myself. (laughs) Like, be quiet. Things of that nature. But anyway. He's instructing his soul. He says, my soul, wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. Self-talk, if it's the right kind of talk, is really helpful. And the last part of verse 6 says, I shall not be moved. Not greatly moved, not be moved. 
Remember what the Hebrew says. Only in God is my soul silent. Only when you get there are you there and you will know it. David's goal, and therefore uh, should be ours, is this transformation from within that brings about the desired results of, of changing that run and commentary, that constant chatter that goes on in our minds into a silence that is conducive, that is responsive, that is open, uh, uh, that, that converts two things within us. First, our anxious hearts and minds into a peaceful silence. And secondly, our restless soul into a restful silence. Creating an environment for us to have that real encounter that we long for with our loving Heavenly Father. It's possible. Now where many of us get sideways with God is in our expectations. When I do this, I expect God to do this. I've put in this time. I've quieted myself. Now, Talk to me. We're an arrogant bunch. I mean, here's the clay talking to the potter. Here's the dirt talking to the one in blue gives you life. I mean, well, I'm only speaking for myself. I know no one else in here like me. So I'll just better move on, haven't I? Well, you see, when our expectations are not met, all kinds of emotional damage could result spiraling down into who knows where. God is not obligated to us to do any more than he's already promised he will do for us, regardless of us, in his word. He who hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ and so many other promises. Those are the ones that we can, we can lay our expectations on because we know they're, they're from God and, and he can do it and he will do it. Reading the book of Job ought to settle once and for all that God is not obligated to us. So what is David doing? He says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. David is having a conversation with himself. He is giving us his soul a good talking to. He is having an attitude adjustment about expectations. He's pretty much saying, God, I'm committed to waiting on you and you alone. And whatever happens is totally up to you. He throws up no barriers. Therefore, he's completely open to whatever God chooses to do and he's fully in trust and fully entrusting God that God will do what is best for him and what will bring God glory and advance his kingdom. How do I know that? Verse 8. Trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. 
I have used Isaiah 26, verse 3, as much, as much as virtually any other verse in helping people who are really struggling in this area. Because I had to learn the hard way. But Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, He, talking about God, we keep Him, talking about whomever that may be, in perfect peace, whose eyes are stayed on Him. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Gary Thomas wrote this, and I'm wrapping up my uh, time with you this morning with these words. The spiritual life is impossible in a heart full of noise and occupation. God will not fill a heart that has no room. Silence and solitude are not just to escape the noises in our lives, but primarily to be alone with God. Think of this spiritual discipline of silence as being much more than being alone, but being alone with God. Do not think of silence just as not speaking, but much more as listening to God. Silence and solitude are the context within which the ultimate intimate communication with our Heavenly Father is realized. Now my time is gone. So what I did for those that really want this is on the back of your notes I've put how you can begin or to be reminded how to go through that and what do I do and how do I get started and what should I expect. So it's right here. It's an outline. It's not at all. But it'll help those that would like to do that. If you would like help in this area, I would uh, strongly recommend that you talk to Pastor Mike. I'm always available. Uh, if you want to look into this in more depth and in, in, a, in a way in which I can uh, highly uh, recommend, you talk to Jesse and Kathy Ellis. They have experienced the life, which is a whole set of five books to go through and to work through. Many of you in here have taken that and talked to Jesse and Kathy, and, and they'll work it out. They can get a group together and go through something that'll be eternally beneficial for you. So would you close with me in prayer? Father, our Father and our God, this morning we've looked at one of the spiritual disciplines, but there's so many more. I've counted up actually a total of 18, and we've touched on one. But it's one in which, Lord, we need victory over for silence. Truly has not been a friend to embrace, but it has been something almost like an enemy to avoid. And so this morning we humble ourselves before you and cry out to you, those of us with hungry hearts that want more of you, and not to get something from you, but just to know you better. Uh, you are our Heavenly Father. You have done all that needs to be done in order for us to have that abiding relationship we created for. 
But there's so much noise in our lives and so many people are so busy. So Father, I pray that what I've shared with them out of your word and some of the processes might settle into a few hearts here that truly are hungry and want more. And I just pray, Father, as uh, they start on this journey that they will understand there will be all kinds of obstacles in their way for their own flesh doesn't want it, neither does the enemy of her soul, neither does the society, the world in which we live in. But through the power of the indwelling spirit of the living God, as we persevere and realizing it will be worth it all, then Lord, I just pray that you would bless them and protect them. And Lord, help them with their expectations to just rest fully on you and to trust you that in your timing, these things will come about and we will grow spiritually as a result of that into um, the likeness of your son, which is your primary goal in our lives for us in this life. So thank you for their attention this morning. And I just pray now, Father, that as they uh, spend time with you in our uh, time of prayer or whatever else, that they will make some decisions that will help them continue or start on the journey. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen.